Good morning, Dorisville again. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Before the words of that song get too far out of your memory, uh, the one that David just sang, I just want to dedicate that to every person here who's going through a difficult time in your life. If you've lost a loved one in the last month or so or two months, if any time in your heart's still hurting, the voice of truth will speak to you and tell you, listen, you don't have to be afraid. Amen? If you're in danger of losing your job, the voice of truth says... He's on the throne. Listen to the voice of truth. And I want to thank David for a wonderful job uh, singing that song. We are so excited that you are here. I agree with David. I think the children's choir will sing every week. I just think that's a pretty awesome thing. Isn't that a great way? That was worth the price of the mission right there. Amen? I tell you what. Yeah. Well, if you're visiting today, we're in week four, which was going to be the final week. And we're going to tag on an epilogue next week. But we're in a, a sermon series that we have entitled Journey. And it's kind of a journey into discovering, perhaps for the first time, who God is. Or perhaps rediscovering a greater image of who God is in our lives. So we've been on this journey. The first one we call Mile Markers. And that was the idea of the concept that God gets our attention as we travel along. If you've been on a trip, you see something happen at Mile Marker 23. And so, in the case of our scripture today, Isaiah starts and says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. There was something about Uzziah's life and death that caused Isaiah to stop, to pause, and to look. Much like Moses and the burning bush. When the burning bush was there, Moses said, wait a minute. I must stop and see why this bush is not burning up. So God sent a mile marker and got Isaiah's attention and said, you need to pause and look. And then... It's week two, we, we saw Sea Rock City. And you say, Sea Rock City? Yeah, Sea Rock City. Because, Steve, if you've ever been south, you see those signs everywhere. And we carry the concept that we did really see, experience the rock, God Almighty, in his dwelling place, the city. And so we talked about Isaiah says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And I saw him in a way that I had not seen him before. I saw him high, and I saw him lifted up. He saw the holiness of God. And that did something. That triggered a response. And that led us to what to see and what to do. What do you do when you get your vacation destination? Well, how do you pause? What do you do when you get there? In Isaiah's case, it caused him to say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm undone. I, I, I'm, I'm the pastor. I, I'm the prophet. But I see things in my life that are not right. And when we get into the holiness of God, that is usually what happens. We compare ourselves to others. We do pretty good. We compare ourselves to the pastors. We do pretty good. But when you compare yourself to holy God, all of a sudden you start seeing things you never saw before. And, and finally, that leads us to what we've entitled today, Thanks for the Memories. Thanks for the Memories. Old Bob Hope, thanks for the memories. You know that old song? You know, and when we used to go on vacation, I, I made a note in my article, you know, back when I was going on vacation, generally speaking, it was to see relatives. That would have been great if my relatives owned homes on the beach somewhere, but they owned a house in New Jersey. They don't even make good pecani sauce. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so that, and then one of them lived out in the middle of nowhere in Texas. So we made a couple trips to Texas. Now we did have a brother who lived in the Smoky Mountains, and that was pretty cool. We did get to see things like that. In fact, that's when I saw Rock City signs everywhere going up to see my brother Joe, who lived in the mountains. But by and large, there never was a Walt Disney World. And I know this is a shocker for some of you, but believe it or not, when America was founded, there was not a Walt Disney World. Okay, it was established in 1972. So we're talking about before my time. But we did go see things like Six Gun Territory, which was a little kind of attraction thing where everybody dressed up like cowboys and when saw Silver Springs and when saw the Florida Alligator Farm and things like that. And I do remember this because, again, we were not very wealthy. And anytime we got to take any kind of a vacation at all, 
I'd always come, not always, that would be a misstatement. I sometimes remember to say, Mom, Dad, thanks. And I've got some great memories. I've got a picture, I've got a picture and a memory of me wearing a, a gunslinger outfit, pointing at my sisters, and they're up in this wagon at six-gun territory, and I'm holding them up. That's a great memory I've got because my mom and dad cared enough to send us on a journey. And God cares enough to send us on the journey. And now I want us to find what response might be appropriate to the journey that we've been on. All right? And we begin in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. The good news is about this message. There's two good things for you to know today. First off, my voice is about gone. So those in the nursery, if you're listening right now, you can pray right now for a short sermon. Okay? Yeah, I told last night at the wedding, at the wedding I sounded like I was going through puberty again. I was like, oh, oh, And so much so, the bride and groom looked at me like, what is wrong with your voice? All right? And so, if you're back there in the nursery, now's the time to start praying that it will, it will just, like, you know, fade out. Secondly, this is that this is the kind of sermon, it's like a loaf of bread. We can, like, whack it off. Okay? So, there's a good opportunity for us today to get the last two points as homework and the first three points here today. All right? So, that's our goal anyway. Okay? So, first off this, we're going to look at Isaiah. No problem. Now, keep in mind, matter of fact, let me just do this to help you remember it, okay? Let's just go over it one more time. So, in the year King Uzziah died, okay, that was his moment, okay, when God said, whoa. Now, that's like, I don't know if you're supposed to say whoa, but it's W-H-O-A. So, whoa. So, y'all go, whoa. All right, that means stop, right? If you're on a horse and you're heading toward a cliff, you don't want to say go. You want to say, whoa. Okay, so everybody say whoa one more time. Whoa, okay, then once he stopped, okay, he saw God in a new way, and that was the wow factor. So everybody say wow. You can do better now. Say wow. All right, very good. The wow factor. And after a while, then he got whoa. Now this is whoa is me. This is whoa, I'm in deep weeds. And that's what he saw himself in the so, so everybody say whoa. Well, oh, y'all are doing good. That leads us to W, the factor. Now, y'all remember when George W. Bush was in office? Someone of our members, I know I've seen this on one of your cars, you've got W, the president. Well, this is W, the factor. Because what happens in Isaiah's life, it causes him to say, okay, God, you really got my attention here. I've heard you. You've changed my life. Now, what do you want me to do? When do you want me to do it? Where do you want me to go? He found himself with the W factor saying, what can I do? And here's what the Bible says. After all this has happened, the Bible says, then I heard. Now, notice that word then, T-H-E-N, then. I don't know if that is a chronological or conditional statement. I don't know if the prophet Isaiah is recording these words and saying, after all this happened, then I heard. Or is he saying, because all this happened, I heard. It doesn't matter. All I know is this. Isaiah finds himself in a position to clearly hear not just a voice, but the voice of God. Isn't that important? Now, I, I, I need to clarify something. I, I've not heard God audibly. I've not heard God go, go away. You know, I've not heard that. But I, through His Word and through wise counsel of others, and sometimes in prayer, this strong impression would come over me. I, I've heard the voice of God that way. And I know I'm not by myself today. Many of you say, you know, Dwayne, I, I look back now and I see I, that was clearly the voice of God directing me. It's so important when we're facing you know, our young people here. Now, what am I going to do with my life? You know, you're single today, and you're looking for a train out of town. And, you know, and, and Lord, is this the right train? I need much of a train, but is a train. Should I get on this train or wait for another train? You know, what do you do with that? What do you do when, when you know, you've been laid off of work? God, what do you want me to do with that? And, and Lord, how do I raise my children? And it would be really nice to hear the voice of God. 
And I want to go one more time. Isaiah could hear the voice of God, I think, because of these conditional steps. God got his attention. He saw God as God, the all-wise God. And then he said, Lord, there's some things in my life. And he got those right. And then he heard the voice of God. He heard the voice of God. Conditional, chronological, it doesn't really matter. But he heard the voice of God. And here's the deal. He responded to that voice. He responded to that voice. Then I heard the voice of the Lord. Now, what's really cool is this. You know, God didn't say, Isaiah, now I've got your attention. What I really want for you to do is just sit down. Just, just have a seat, bud. Uh, just relax. Hey, just, just, just start. You know, just, just do something. No, no, no. See, see, God had a purpose for Isaiah. When, when, when he spoke to Isaiah, here's what he said. Who shall I send and who will go for us? He invites Moses, Moses, he invites Isaiah to serve. He says, I'm inviting you to be a part of something bigger than you. Now, I need to tell you something. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today, well, first off, let's back up. All right? Let's back up to here. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, and you're going, yeah, I've heard about this God thing. It sounds pretty interesting. I'd like to know more about it kind of thing. I want to tell you something. God is calling you into his family. He's drawing you into his family. But he's not calling you just so you can get your ticket punched to heaven. He's not calling you just so you can go to church. You know, those are just minor pieces. He is calling you to come in relationship with Him through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to be as part of something bigger than you could ever imagine. If you're already a follower of Jesus Christ today, I want you to know something. God has not called you to sit. In fact, see, God is calling us... I'm trying to stop if i got the courage to use this or not. God is calling us to be His hands. God is calling us to be His feet. To be his mouthpiece. To, to see the world through his eyes. But see, what we want to do is we want to make excuses. And we, and we want to say, but, but God. And God's not looking for butts. He's looking for hands and feet. And... But here's the deal. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do most people get saved to do? We misunderstood. We got our anatomy all wrong. He's calling us to act. He is, God is inviting us to be a part of His amazing team to make a difference in this world. And so He says to Isaiah, whom, whom shall I send? Who will go? And I want you to see Isaiah's amazing response. He says, here am I, send me. And the reason Isaiah responded this way was, in spite of the fact that you got my intention, in spite of the fact that I have seen you, God, and I don't mean like, like just some other God out there, like the world's full of false gods. I see you as holy God. I see you as creator God. I see you as the God that's impacted my life. And like the fact that I experienced your amazing grace, that I saw things in my life that were keeping me separated from you, and you took care of those by your grace. Lord, all I can say is, here am I. Send me. It's amazing. He didn't, he didn't know what God was going to call him to. He just simply laid up road blank check and said, well, here am I, send me. Now, here's the cool part. Those of you who already are believers in Jesus Christ, I mean, I like to say this every once in a while so we can get the wow factor in that. You know, we, we believe the Bible's true. Now, let's try that again. That, that wouldn't really let's try it again. We believe the Bible to be true. Okay? We believe that there's a God and there's Satan. There's good and there's evil. And there's a heaven and there's a hell. Okay? Hell was created for, for the devil and his angels, but all who reject Jesus Christ, clearly according to scriptures, will be eternally separated from God because of the unforgiveness of their sins. We believe all that, right? Here's the deal. Because we know Jesus, 
Not because we're Baptists. Come on now. Not because we've been baptized. Not because we're better than anybody. Because we're better than nobody. But because of God's amazing grace, we will never feel the fires of hell. Get fired up. No pun intended. That's right. See, that's enough. Listen, that alone is enough for you to go, yeah, I'll do it. God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'm never going to feel the fires of hell. And you know, all of us are going to face valleys. I wish I could tell you, if you trust Jesus, there would never be a valley, but that would be a lie. In fact, Jesus said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Okay? But here's the deal. You'll never walk alone. The family of Rod Johnson are going to walk this valley right now, but they will not walk alone. The family of Jimmy Miles is going to walk this valley, but they will not walk alone. If you get your pink slip tomorrow, you'll walk that valley, but you'll never walk it alone. In light of all that, how can we do anything but say, Yes, Lord, here am I. Send me. And the cool part is, it's incredible. It's much like a coach would, would see some guys walking down the hallway. And there's a guy there that obviously perhaps it's basketball, perhaps it's football. But from the way his mannerisms and his moves and his, his statue, his physical size, the coach sees something in that person that says, that man's got potential. And the coach walks up and says, look, I know you haven't tried out for football. I know you haven't tried out for basketball or track or whatever it might be. But I see something in you. And I want to invite you to come and be a part of the team. God looks across this vast audience today and around this world and sees people. He says, I see something in you. I see the potential in you. And I will invite you to be a part of my team. He's challenging us to believe the coach. To believe the honor and the privilege and the thrill of being a part of something bigger than ourselves. Here I am. Send me. Now, what we want to do this now, after doing that, with Isaiah with no problem, I thought it would be kind of cool to look at two of them. We're going to look at two. We're going to look at, at Moses and Matthew, a couple of people who were approached by God for a task, okay? And their response. We're going to see how one didn't do it very well, and one did it real well, and see if it will help us get where we can be, where we say, yay, God, I'll do that. Now, y'all remember, everybody remember Moses in the Old Testament? Remember the guy... Remember Charleston Heston? I don't know if he looked like Charleston Heston or not, okay, from, from the Ten Commandments movie, okay? But, you know, you remember that movie? You've got a great story about Moses, the guy in the Old Testament, all right? He was raised the prince of Egypt, and then he killed a, an Egyptian guy, and they ran him out of town on a rail. He spent the next 40 years being a shepherd, okay? So, so now, watch now. Moses is like 80 years old, okay? And he has this burning bush experience. He looks over and goes, dude. There's a bush over there, and it's burning, but it's not being consumed. I need to go see what it's about. He walks up to this bush, and, and a voice speaks from the bush and says this. Hey, take your shoes off, because the ground you're standing on is holy ground. And, and Moses did. And then God issues this call. He says, Moses, I have heard the voice of my people that are down in Egypt. Remember that place you used to be? And I've heard them, and, and, and I want you to go down and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Now, this, this passage of Scripture is 39 verses long. Say 39. 39 verses long. And I wish I could tell you on behalf of Moses today is that it was spent, Moses saying, God, stop, I'm on. Hey, I'm on board, God. I'll do this, God. It was God and Moses having this argument and Moses telling God why he shouldn't do what God's telling him to do. Does that sound familiar? We preachers do that all the time. But God, I don't want to do that. Let's, let's go over it again, Pastor. Who's God and who are you? 
Well, I'm the creative one. You're creative. That's right. Now, do this. But God, I don't want to. And see, we preachers aren't alone. It happens to deacons too. It happens to everyday people. All right? So we want to take a chunk of the Scripture and see now how God speaks to Moses. Look in your Bibles, or I've got it on the sermon sheet. It'll be on the screen here from Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. Here's the call. Therefore, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Here's the job. I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to lead my people out. All right? What do you think Moses' response was? Well, unofficially, it's, you've got to be kidding. Okay? But officially in the Scriptures, we get this. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Now, now why did he say that? Let, let, me, let me tell you this. First off, now I'm going to give you a hint. He already, we know for a fact that he was a prince of Egypt, okay? And that he was a Hebrew who was made a prince of Egypt. And then he heard the call of God on his life saying, you know, you need to redeem my people. So he goes out and does it his way and kills an Egyptian. Pharaoh finds out about it, basically, and they run him out of town. So his response probably is, who am I? Is probably this. Okay, God, let me tell you who I am. If you go down to the, the uh, post office at, at Cairo or the capital city of Egypt, if you go in there, you're going to see my picture. Because you see, I am a murderer. And the reason I'm here and not there is because I had to run because they wanted to arrest me. They ran me out of town because I am a murderer. So God, I am not the candidate. Find somebody else. You really don't want a murderer, a previous murderer, murderer who's going to get arrested when he goes down to Egypt anyway to go. That might be one reason. Second reason may have been this. Okay, God, you remember the dude that was in Egypt? I'm not him anymore. For the last 40 years, I've been a shepherd. I've been out here singing, I've just been being a cowboy. Now, now, you want me to go and be a leader? I'm a shepherd. And you and I both know that shepherds are on the bottom of the totem pole. When you can't do anything else in life, no, you don't become a pastor. You become a shepherd. I mean, come on, God. Do you see leadership potential in me? Maybe this is it. He goes, God, you and I both know we live a little longer now, but I am 80 years old. Let me help you, God. That is Eight decades. And there's got to be some young whippersnapper that's just dying to be used by you rather than me, a senior adult. The bottom line is this. God believed in Moses. Moses didn't believe in himself. Where's David at? David Nave. The voice of truth. The voice of truth will speak to our hearts and says, listen, listen. You may not be much, but with God, you are something. Matthew, watch this. Watch this. Therefore, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh, so that you may lead my people, the Israelites of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, I will certainly be with you. Let me help you here, Moses. You are a zero. 
You are just, yeah, you are a murderer in Egypt. Yes, you are just a shepherd and you are 80 years old. But you take any one of those factors and add me to it and you become something totally different. You become an ex-murderer that God can use. You, you, you go from being a man who did it your way to a man who can do it my way. You become being just a shepherd to a mighty leader who can lead two, three million people out of Egypt. You become not an 80-year-old old man. You become an 80-year-old young man. Do you understand? We'll sit there and we'll make all these excuses and all these buts. God says, you're right. You can't preach. You can't sing. You can't teach. You can't serve. You can't share. You can't. But with me, you can. I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God on this mountain. But he couldn't believe that. He wrestled with that. For 39 verses, he wrestled with that. So then he changed the topic. That's what we do with God. When we can't win with God, we change the subject. Verse 13. Then Moses asked God and said, okay, okay, if I go. Now say, if I go. Now I said to you, what's this, what's this, French boy? What's this, if, French boy? If I go. What do you, if you go? I mean, I'm creator God and you're created. You're a follower of me and I'm your God. You're saying, if? Now, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What shall I tell them? Now, this is a valid question. Because, see, we think, okay, we think that under, all right, under the Egyptian rule, that the Israelites kept their identity, and they did not. For 400 years, say 400 years. Now, listen, America's a little over 200 years old. So twice as long as America, they've been a slave nation. The idea and concept of Yahweh God has largely just disappeared. Gone. They are just a slave people with no law. They have no rules. They have no concept, really, of who God is. That's a good question. Here's what God responds. I love this. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. He says, Moses, turn to your right and look that away. Now, son, I want you to go back. I want you to go back long before you were the prince of Egypt. I will go long back before Abraham and Jacob and Isaac. I want you to go farther back and way back into the Garden of Eden. And I want you to go even further back than that. Beyond creation. And Moses, I am. Look around you today, he said to Moses. Look at the mountains. Look at the sea. Look at the sky. Look at the sun. Look at the clouds. Look at all around you creation. And Moses, I am. Now, Moses, look to your left. I want you to go as far as you can in the future. I want you to see past a slave nation. I want you to see past that where this nation becomes a true nation. I want you to see a king named David. I want you to look beyond that, way up into a hill called Mount Calvary, where they're going to crucify my son. I want you to look beyond that cross and to the resurrection. And beyond the resurrection to one day, my son will come back and reign on this earth. And Moses, I am. That's who he is. 
I am. No defense. No explanation of terms. No debate about who the true God is. Is it Baal or Yahweh? I am that I am. And the cool part is, that is the God who's calling you and me. It could have easily been Dwayne. God said to Dwayne, I want you to lead your people. It could have easily been that way. Why? Because even though we are not much by ourselves, we have God. And that makes it a winning team. Are you willing this morning to answer that call? Would you be willing like Isaiah? You know what it all hinges on? It hinges on us understanding and knowing who God is. It hinges on us turning and pausing. I was talking to one of our sisters that has cancer. And she really acknowledged, God got my attention to this cancer. And I told her, I said, it's one thing that's good that's going to come out of this cancer is God got your attention and called out your name and you responded. Have you had that, that moment when you went, whoa? And then we had that wow moment. Well, you know what, God? You really are God. See, we don't sell that in America. It doesn't sell well in America. What sells well in America is, I, I, want, I want heaven, and I want a God I can call him when things go bad, and I need him. And beside that, I want to put in this little box over here and have him stay put. That's just not who God is. God is God. He's the creator God. He's going to be your God part of the time. He wants to be God all the time. He wants to be God in the little things and God in the big things. He is God. And then when we get in His presence, we see ourselves for who we are. And one of the biggest things, the coolest parts is, and when we see ourselves as zero. And I know that's offensive to some people. Wait a minute, I'm a zero, Dwayne. Come on. Without God, we're not much. Without God, we're totally depraved, the Bible says. But with God, with God, we can do anything and all things. We didn't make it to Mary. But Mary said, they said, angels said to Mary, with God, nothing is impossible. And Mary said, I'm yours. I'm yours. Are you willing today to say, God, I'm yours? Would you bow your head there? I want to challenge you to take the rest of those uh, points home, Matthew, Mary, and Paul, and use them for homework. And looking how these people responded to holy God. This morning, if you're here, And you are a God follower. That is, let me explain what that means so you won't misunderstand. That means that there's a time in your life when you made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You believed He was the Son of God. You believed He died and resurrected on the third day. And by faith, He has forgiven your sins. And now you are committed to following Him. If you are a God follower, I want to challenge you today, like Isaiah, to say, Hear my Lord, send me. And it's so cool because we may not know where He wants to send us. We may not know, but here's what we do know. That voice of truth, that voice of truth can be trusted. And God wants you to be a part of something big. Our way cool football team, amazing record this year with only two losses. On our way to the playoffs. Amazing. I know there's some guys walking around school are going, I wish I'd been a part of the team. I wish I hadn't quit. I wish I'd signed up. God invites you to be something way big in His kingdom. Perhaps you're here today 
and you've never followed him. Perhaps you're here today and this is the first time you've heard about God and the possibility of coming in relationship with him. I'd like to invite you in a moment. Brother Brent's going to be standing down front. And I'd just like to invite you to come down. Say, Brent, I don't know a whole lot about this, but I heard enough to know that I'd love to be on God's team. How can that happen? And we'll have some friends I'll share with you about the fact that that involves admitting to God that you've sinned. And all of us have. No one's got it right. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that because of that, the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that. We deserve to be eternally separated from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God says, even though you deserve to be separated from me, I'm going to make a way where you can come in relationship with me. And that's through my son, Jesus Christ. By believing in him. By trusting in him. And you do that every day. You got in your car and turned the key, believing it would start. You came in and sat down in that chair, believing it would hold you up. You know about faith. It's just putting faith now in this man, Jesus Christ. And Brent would be glad to share with you today how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's an amazing, amazing journey. I've been on this journey with with God now for 36 years. It's an amazing journey. I want to encourage you to get on board. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you right now. I just want to thank you for the privilege of sharing your word today. Can't thank you enough for the children's choirs. They just flat bless my heart. For the songs we heard, especially the voice of truth. Father, the power of that song. And I know, God, you're inviting some folks to come on board with you. For some, it's simply saying, God, I'm here. I'm here. And I'll go and do what you want me to do. They say yes to the W factor today. Some, though, have never stepped on board. Someone here desperately needs you. They're going through a world, and their world is literally crumbling beneath their feet. And they need someone who will walk with them. And Jesus, you made a promise that you would never leave nor forsake those who follow after you. Bring them to yourself today so they'll walk with you and you with them. Have your way in this invitation time.